Welcome back to the Legal Diaries podcast. We chat about everything from small business to sustainability and mindset, law to health, finances to relationships. We want to provide you with the practical and actionable steps to smash your goals. So grab a drink, sit back and get ready to build your empire with Legal Diaries. Hello everyone and welcome back to another Legal Diaries podcast. I am joined today by Samantha who is a mortgage broker um, and I will hand over to her to break down, introduce herself and to break down exactly what a mortgage broker does. Hi Danielle, listen thank you so much for having me today. Uh, Great to meet you uh, even though it's virtually. Yeah. (laughs) I know the times but hey you know it is as it is. But yeah, so I'm a mortgage broker. So basically what I do is I help people be able to get their mortgage financed to be able to buy their home, whether it's their first home or trading up or an investment property, but that's basically what I do. So I literally find out their individual financial circumstances and their needs, what they're hoping to do. And then I help them organize that and I'm there right until they get their keys at the very end. So that's what basically what a mortgage does. That sounds like like a house kind of fairy or a house god, like because it sounds so stressful. Like the whole process just sounds. Because I've I've heard experiences from yeah. friends who have gone without a broker, and it's been really straightforward. Friends who have gone with a broker also really straightforward. But then I have the like the horror stories of friends who have gone without one, um, and have tried to navigate everything themselves. And and yeah, and ever since like hearing those, I've been just like, yeah, maybe I'll just go with a broker. Um, so so you so say if I came to you as a well I am a first-time buyer um hopefully um um do would you say to come to you for advice first or do I come to you and say I saw a three-bed house down the road that I really want to buy yeah well you have kind of a mixture so some people definitely come along and say look we've sale agreed a house which in fairness nowadays, they really kind of need mortgage approval beforehand because mm. the estate agents are different now. So before you probably do viewings without approval, it depends on the estate agent, depends on the seller. Again, same with new bills. But now there tends to be, uh, to get a viewing, you generally need to nearly show the estate agent that you have mortgage approval. Oh, wow. Process for them to do viewings. There's no longer, you know, 30 people into a home. Saturday morning, you know, all of, say, the space of an hour, it's like you get your 10, 15 minutes slot in out one by one because obviously the restrictions. So what you find is there's kind of a mixture. Some people are definitely have a house and then other people are looking for max borrowings. Um, those people who are looking for max barns really just kind of don't know where they start, which is totally realistic because you don't know how much you can borrow. So then you don't know what kind of home you can look for. Um, for those, and then you have, you know, the people who are pretty much mortgage ready, they've got savings, the background, you know, they're pretty much good to go. And then you've other people that will need a little bit of help, you know, so advice on what they need to do to get mortgage approval, because obviously it's really important to get your, you know, give yourself the best possible opportunity to mm. get the best application in because really, there's not a whole pile of selection of lenders and you want to be able to kind of say, look here where I am at. And that's what a mortgage broker do. So, you know, part of it is we guide, we obviously guide you through it, but we give you advice that look, if we feel that now might not be the best time to apply, that you may need to do a few things first. We certainly guide you on what you need to do to put in place, you know, whether it's, it's start regular savings, whether, you know, uh, you may wait until your job's more secure, which mm. can, nowadays unfortunately or 
you know, maybe, you know, people need to do a few things or they're just not ready, but they just want to find out first. I always think it's a good idea to get in touch with a mortgage broker to have that initial chat because mm. like anything, it's like anything you do in life until you make that first important phone call, you really don't have a clue, you know? So, yeah, and, and, you know, a little people are nervous. It's like, it's an exciting time, you know, but it's also kind of a stressful time. So I, yeah. you could be very lucky and it goes so smoothly and you're like oh my god this is going so smoothly what is, you know why is it going so smoothly and then others just don't have the best time because you know they could be looking forever they can't find a house or you know force you falls true for whatever reason you know there's, there's the uncontrollable variables yeah i always say to people when you're looking to buy a house and look to get more there's two things you really need you need a really good sense of humor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're gonna have to need it and you're gonna need a lot of patience you know yeah those two things happy days it, it makes life so much easier when you're trying to buy it you know yeah it's so funny that you say you need a um a lot of patience because two of my colleagues actually recently both bought properties one um this will be their like they they've marked a year in the home and then another one just actually um went sell closing and is is due to move in shortly and their process seemed like so straightforward um but there's obviously so many things but they seem like they've they're quite two people with their head and their shoulders so they're probably your ideal candidate that comes to you and is completely like mortgage ready um and like when you say like getting yourself mortgage ready what Mm. does that mean yeah, so what you're looking at is, so to kind of give you kind of an idea of the paperwork, so to be able to get mortgage approval, you need to provide a certain amount of paperwork, okay, and mm-hmm. for, for you need to provide your occupational details. So let's take a typical PAYE person, you need three months, most recent pay slips, mm-hmm. you need a salary certificate completed by your employer, and genuine employment details summary form, which is basically the old P60s, so it gives you um, to show how much you've earned in total last year. If you find someone that wasn't working beforehand, new enough in their job, or they've had a gap at the back in, or you know they've they've different uh, you know work permits, etc. It all depends, but having a good length of work history does help um, because it gives the lender kind of a, an idea to say, okay, you work consistently here, even if you've changed jobs but it just shows a work history. So you're more likely to continue on, you know, working to age 65 or whatever to pay off your mortgage. So it's really kind of the work, the type of work that you do, um, your pay slips, are they consistent? So are you getting, you know, same income all the time or is it variable hours, et cetera. And then you're looking at six months, current account statements, saving statements, credit card statements, VAPCAL, and sometimes loan statements. They're all to be in good order. So obviously if you're, you know, you're (laughs) living on fresh air the last week of, you know, before payday and you're fairly hammering the credit card, you know, maybe you might need to kind of tidy that up. Or, you know, if you are, you know, just doing a few little things that they might like in your bank statements or a lot of it, you just need to save more. So people could be living living at home, great, but their parents, you know, not paying any rent and then obviously not saving up as much as they could. So, Things like that. I mean, they look for 10% deposit, but you don't obviously need 10% to be able to apply, but they'd like to know where you're getting the money. So obviously with the have to buy, which is fantastic. That's gone up to 30,000. So that's obviously depending on how long you've worked, but that is a real help on the new bills. But in the second hand home, you need 10%. And a lot of people, depending on the price, may not have that 10%. Mm. So obviously 
family comes in if they're blessed so a good old gift um but you don't need that at the beginning you only need that at the end so we give advice and all that but really if you're looking to apply for mortgage and you really have zero savings and you have a few loans it, that wouldn't really help you to be honest you know you need to show that look have the ability to, to save up money that is in relation to your rent so if you're paying a huge rent and obviously it's very difficult to save that's obviously taken into in, into the in yeah full assessment so really each every case is different so often people go oh yeah you know friends had a tough times friends had an easy time everyone's different you know yeah mortgage broker it's really what is happening for you personally and your financial circumstances and then we go right where is the best lender for you and let's try and make it as easy as possible for you so savings loans you know that kind of stuff tidy bank statements steady work um you know contract work as well they like to see you know if you're on contract work you've been on contract work for a good while um you know so it really depends there's a whole pile of variables in it you know but mm. um typically if you're working same employer paye good enough savings not too many loans then it shouldn't be too much you know it should be fairly straightforward all going well yeah gives me a little bit of hope um my aim there is always hope yeah my aim is when I kind of yeah. get like I've set myself financial goals over the next two years um yeah. and I have student yeah. loan debt because it became like it was 25,000 to become qualified as barrister so um wow. all together yeah so but within the two years that I studied at King's Inns I paid yeah. because I wasn't paying rent I yeah. paid off my King's Inns within the two years of studying so I was paying essentially what I called a mortgage to the yeah. credit union because I was paying between 480 and 600 in repayments a month because I wasn't yeah. paying rent so I was like I just treated it in my head as if was rent but it significantly brought down um yeah. my student debt so hopefully That's in the next brilliant. two years it'll all be be cleared but when yeah. you say I get kind of like chills when you talk about the bank statements because you yeah. hear all these horror stories of like banks scrutinizing like every single transaction yeah. on a bank statement like is it that nitty gritty or is it just kind of seeing how you kind of manage your money throughout throughout the month say from payday to to payday yeah so they absolutely will look at it i mean that's a given it's really your financial behavior because what they're lending is they're assessing you according to risk so mm. are you are you showing the ability that you're able to manage your money well and that you will show the ability that you can pay back your money pay back the mortgage so part of the application is that they will assess you your income determines how much you can borrow plus other factors and then you also have to show contrary to that is can you show for the last six months that you can afford to repay it back you know so they stress test the payments so that means they if your repayments, for example, is a thousand per month, they'll say, look, you need to show for the last six months between rent, savings, et cetera, that you're able to pay more than that uh, mm. and that you're doing it consistently. So when it comes to bank statements, obvious things like, you know, if you're doing a little bit of gambling, not really. Yeah. At all. I mean, they're kind of really obvious stuff. If you're revoluting using Revolut bank accounts, which a lot of people do, they'd like to see those statements. What are you doing with there? Not you're going to be kind of friends transferring money in. You're going to be trying out but if you're doing big lump sums they're going to question that so like you know <laughs> it's like what are you doing transferring big lump sums to your friends and vice versa what's they're coming on in so they're obviously asked for if you're doing a cash and hand job absolutely that's quest questions you know so it's really where is the money coming into your bank mm. is it come from a source of pay white perfect you can pay slips to back it up um 
Are you managing your money well? So you're missing your direct debits. Um, is there a pattern of doing that? So of course, you know, Christmas time, you're going to do a lot more spending. I get that. People are asking, you know, God, you know, Christmas coming up, you really have to buy presents thing. What, what are the lenders going to think of our bank statements? That's fine. They obviously know, look, there's lifestyle. Yeah. Back to that, you spend more around Christmas time and summertime, exactly, you know, certain times of the year. But if you're showing a trend over six months that you really are not able to manage your money that well, or you're missing payments, or you're saying, you're using your credit cards and you're getting late payments on it, but you're increasing your balances. So you're, you know, you're not kind of, uh, you know, you're showing a trend that you're adding on more, but it's taken in relative to everything. So sometimes people oversave, you know, so they go, right, I really need to try and save. And they put a lot of pressure on themselves to save more than they can afford. And then what happens is that towards the end of the month, they have to tip back into that savings, mm. take it out and put it back into the current account. Cause obviously they're, they're live there's running really low on the credit and the current account yeah obviously lenders can see that but that's fine it just means they're trying to oversave and obviously save as much as they can but they can't really manage it like that's human nature yeah friends birthdays coming up and you're going gosh you know don't you yeah buy presents or buy you know and it's like and they're so diligent the savings but they look at everything so you know with the best intentions most people's bank accounts are are fairly fine you know but they will just ask if you're getting money from elsewhere or you know Where's it coming from? You know, and that's kind of fairly natural. So, um, so when it comes to keeping good bank accounts, uh, most people do. It's obviously easy if you get paid regularly. You know, yeah. Kind of manage your, your bills, uh, able to manage it more. But it's really, you know, um, and it's about savings and being able to do savings. And it depends on the rent as well. So if you're paying really high rent and not being able to save, that's understandable. You know. Yeah. You know, so it all kind of depends. But I wouldn't worry too much about bank statements you know in regards to as long as they're not doing crazy stuff with it <laughs> so, you know. i don't don't worry i don't i no longer have the older i've gotten i don't have a standard sarah 100 or 200 euro amount coming out of my bank each week um like it's but it's yeah. so yeah so basically yeah. just be an angel on your bank statements the month before the three Pretty months much. prior yeah if you can do it for six months that'd be yeah they look for six months and it's really most recent six months now and because of covid unfortunately a lot of people's incomes have changed and changed quite mm. they want it really up to date so they want to see look your your very recent payslip and your very recent bank statements you know so but yeah and and, and in fairness you know because a lot of people are at home they're not spending as much and they're able to yeah more so they have all that so that again is driving people to buy and of course they're living at home the folks are there you know at home and working at the dinner table at the kitchen table the kids are running around trying to homeschool and they're like we need a garden <laughs> yeah oh so you have that and the high rents you have all this and of course lack of supply so rent is so expensive like rent is just yeah. a, a thing that oh yeah and like yeah. it's kind of it's good in a way because people are now I suppose with COVID, um, one of the positives, if you could even say if there's any positives, mm. is the um, like the e-working act that they're going to put through. So people have more possibility. So you can move because say even for myself, like I yeah. have made a decision to because um, I'm well, I'm a blow in, but my boyfriend's originally from Kilkenny and my family are here yeah. now. So we've oh. kind of made the decision that this is we'll look in Kilkenny um, and we've kind of given up on 
being Dublin centric, but my career yeah. in its nature is probably always going to be very Dublin centric. Um, mm. But a lot more people probably who have similar type careers have a lot more flexibility now because they can probably only commute two or three days a week yeah. in comparison to commuting like five days a week. So yeah. hopefully it will ease pressure off the cities. Um, and prices, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and they just need to really build more and supply. Supply is the key kind of issue here. <sighs> and it has kind of baffled the experts, obviously, last year. So people in went, oh, it's going to go down, brilliant. And then obviously the help to buy increased 30. And then people were like, I never thought I'd buy. I want to buy. Oh, we're, we're living here in a really small place. We're paying huge rent and our mortgage be cheaper and our friends are buying. Let's go and, and see if we can get a mortgage approval. So absolutely so people are pretty much good to go it's really finding the homes as well so yeah it's kind of closed really at the moment so it's a great time to get mortgage approval and have it ready to go <laughs> yeah when when the property market in theory opens up again after the restrictions um and hopefully more supply you know people are just going to be busy looking around and doing viewings or whatever like you know but um yeah i think people are really going to change the way they work you know that flexibility maybe part in the work in the office, part at home, that whole remote working as well. Um, so yeah, it, and that also has, has showed key trends where people kind of moving outside Dublin because Dublin mm. is really high and trying to buy those high prices. You really need, you know, realistically, you need two decent average incomes or a one big income to be able to buy in Dublin. Again, it depends on what you want to buy, but yeah, it's expensive full stop, you know, so. Yeah, I just... Um... Yeah, and you're hoping to buy in Kilkenny, is it, or on that area? Yeah, so we're actually hoping to build. Um, Brilliant. That would be the ideal. Um, but I had I actually recorded a podcast that will come out after this one with um, yeah. a guy in Cork who's built his own home, and he was he was talking his way through it and stuff. Um, yeah. And he was just like, "Oh, well, it's getting more and more expensive to build." And I was like, "Don't say that." <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> So how if like how does the mortgage process differ then for someone that comes in and says I want to build a home rather than um yeah. purchase a home that's already there? Yeah, so really when you're looking to to build a home from scratch, what you are looking for is full planning permission, um, costs, and mm. um, and a fully qualified person supervises, so an architect or an engineer, mm -hmm. of insurance. Uh, but it's really about, and then whether you're getting site gifted from family, which a lot of people do, obviously, um, or they're buying a site. But um, where it really is, is that you're doing it in stages. Um, mm. So build, get, get the money from the bank afterwards, pay the people, do another part of the build, you know, request the money, get it, you know, et cetera. And you're really doing it. So it's a step-by-step -step process as opposed to, you know, if you're buying a second-hand home or even a new build where your house is, so let's take a second-hand home fully ready to move into from the off, in theory, you know, that you're not doing any work, that takes an average two and a half to three months from start to finish. You get, you know, your mortgage in full from your bank, obviously get the keys there. But when you're doing a self-build, obviously costings is, is the big thing. So yeah, decisions on having that, you know, going in with all that paperwork. So you do have the additional paperwork to go in with because your lender has to assess and going, okay, that makes sense, you know? Yeah. It, because, 
you know, people, you know, may change their mind halfway through and want to put in the fabulous kitchen, but it's like, whoa, hang on a second. <laughs> yeah. You know, keep an eye, keep control of the costs, whatever, like, you know, but people are obviously, you know, um, so you have all that, uh, but it just takes longer in the process. And that in itself can be a little bit stressful because you have variables. So you can have bad weather, you could have people not turning up. Yeah. Or you could have like COVID where they halt construction completely. <laughs> There's a house across the road from us that actually just started to go up like before COVID. And I feel oh. so sorry for them because they just yeah. have it because they're not in that like nice kind of area where it would have been completed by January. So like because yeah. they had to halt in March, so they weren't allowed to complete. So um yeah. they're they're doing kind of bits and pieces themselves. Um but yeah. other than that, like the main kind of big things are just like completely on hold. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, and that's the thing. There's just those uncontrollables, you know. And and you know, in fairness, a lot of people say never again after doing it. But they have the most fabulous home that they have, you know, helped design it. Their input is in it, and it's just fabulous. Yeah. Got the space, um, you know, and it's it's you know, generally a house for the lifetime. Really, is when people mm. are building because obviously you know, they're putting down the roots, they've gone to the trouble of doing all that, they've chatted to an architect, they've got designs, they've got planning, costs, etc. So a lot of energy and time and obviously emotion goes into it. You know? Yeah. So, uh, but it's fantastic. At the end, I've had people go, oh my God, fabulous. They couldn't wait to get their keys. And no, in theory, they've had the keys all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Front door to go in until the end. But it's just, they're kind of going, you know, um, it's a stressful experience for yeah that's what the, um david that was on with me that's what he said and it yeah. took about a year of getting over that experience for him to walk in and be like wow this is my home because he was still kind of living in the in the whole process of it oh so was what was he kind of doing so was he um He's not a builder himself, is he? But did he try and build? He no. Well, he, he, he was it? in a good position that he was um, he was gifted the land, and yeah. his family own a construction company. So oh, yeah, so he. <laughs> but even when he was talking to me, he was like, "Yeah, I was in a very privileged position." But he was like, yeah. "But I." He was like, "The one thing that he hated the most." was mortgage approval um he said that that was like he found that process really hard so -hmm. then in my head I was like oh my god um but so say if I if I'm to come into you and I'm like I want to build a a house do Mm -hmm. I have to have because you mentioned that you already need planning permission and stuff but what if you haven't purchased the site yet do you know what I mean and if you're purchasing it without planning permission or is there any way to kind of I suppose you can purchase subject to planning permission so if you don't get approved for planning permission then essentially the sale is is rendered void um but do you kind of help when I say if I was coming to you and say I want to build do you then help through that whole process of going through that or do we have to just come with kind of everything ready architect found house drawn (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, from a lending point of view, absolutely. You are going to kind of need that paperwork for them to kind of make a decision on it and to actually assess you. So often you, so you will have like, and again, it's back to, you know, you'll have 50% of people who are good to go 
um, who will have, you know, the site gift to them, um, who will have the planning, so they've gone through the full planning permission, know exactly what they want, have obviously got costings, and they're coming in saying, look, it's going to cost us 300k to build, or whatever it is, you know. Um, then what you have is other people saying, look, we're, we're, you know, we're living in the city, we want to buy out the country, for example, you know, they're all so new to it, and it really is, right, this is what you need to do, and some people go, gosh, we didn't realize that that's too much for us or, you know, too much hassle. And they just mm. go with just buying a house already built or other people say grant, no problem, but it's kind of a long enough process, um, you know, to get the planning, you know, because by the time you sit down, it's not even the plan, but obviously the whole process, by the time yeah. you get designs, drawings, you know, pick your kitchen, do the, you know, everything like that takes a lot of time in itself you know um because you're obviously going off researching what you like yeah etc so really what you know from from a broker's point of view we can we obviously let you know what you need but with regards to kind of directing you to people yeah we have a list of recommended specialists certainly but with regards to a, you know a person going applying for full value information naturally they're going to be doing that with their architect and engineer etc and do all yeah that. from a lending point of view they will need to have all that going and um, so even if you got ordinary mortgage approval and then decided you want to kind of do the build you're back in getting your mortgage ordinary mortgage approval reassessed to say look this is what we actually want to do uh you know yeah it's here's the costumes, here's the plans, here's the drawings, um, here's the full planning permission, and then off you go. So, um, but yeah, it, and that's what you're hoping to do anyway. That's the plan in two years time. Is that's it? the plan. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. yeah. We'll see though. Um, we could have like thrown in the towel by then and just said, we're just going to buy something that's already done. Um, but the, yeah. yeah, but the, Interesting enough, so you mentioned that um, when you go to the mortgage process, you need to go yeah. in with all your planning permission and stuff. So yeah. can you, this is probably a very kind of complex and personal question, but can you, um, like, do you have to have secured and paid and have the site already prior, so you can't get that in the mortgage amount, the mortgage is just for the house, or can you include the sum for the, say if you're not gifted land? Yeah, no, you can buy the house subject. You can buy, sorry, the site. So you can, if you don't have a site, which some people don't, you can obviously purchase a site and it's part of the overall, you know, build, so to speak. So oh, okay. I can say 50, but your build is 250. So that's what you're overall going into. But again, you're looking back to, you know, you need to see the full plans of the house, etc. So some, So obviously you have a good few people who are gifted, property from their their families um, yeah people who are looking to to buy sites with full planning permission so it really just depends but absolutely you can get funding on on, on buying a site you know with full planning permission so um but again you know often sometimes people have you know there's plans already there and they may want to change them or whatever so yeah through that process you know so have you engaged with an architect yet or is it all just early? no we're at the very kind of early stages of yeah saving for a deposit and anytime I bring it up my poor boyfriend is like but we don't have a deposit so like why are we gonna go to an architect about this fictitious house that we just don't have yeah. a deposit for yet whereas I'm yeah. like yeah but I just want to like I just want to go there and get some plans drawn and like have something yeah. to kind of work towards but uh yeah so I'm gonna yeah. start looking into it during the summer period um mm -hmm. 
so this summer um start looking in and maybe go in and kind of get some kind of ideas down and just kind of talk because obviously a local architect will know kind of areas that are best for kind of seeking planning permission or like yeah and stuff like that so um like we have some kind of areas that would be mm-hmm. kind of ideal to purchase land in because yeah. they're kind of like a halfway point between um houses like between families so yeah oh perfect <laughs> yeah but it's all it's all right now we're in the the zone of um trying to save as much as possible mm. um while also paying rent or paying off things and doing all the yeah. the, the other kind of life things well paying off um you know loans like so if, when you're applying if you've paid off any loan um within the six months of when you're going to apply that also counts towards your repayment capacity and sometimes people oh. pay loans to pay it off quicker as well um so that's that's also factored in so like sometimes people go in with very low savings and again there's a number of reasons to that so it could be paying high rent as I said earlier yeah. or it could be they've paid off a loan really quick so instead of paying the or 500 for whatever the personal loan is they've opted to a thousand per month trying to clear it off so that obviously is where some of their savings have gone or why they have you know yeah savings you know so there's lots of reasons for that so if you're focusing on clearing off your loan brilliant um you know could also maybe build on, on for the deposit uh you know so you have a kind of a balance because sometimes people go oh, I have a loan, should I clear it first before I go and apply? And I'm like, no, no, don't clear it first um, because you don't know first off if you can get an approval. So yeah. I always say, look, when someone comes with a loan and they have, you know, some, when someone comes with a mortgage approval and they have a, a loan, we, we do figure is keeping the loan or clearing the loan. And we see if they, it really makes a difference. And sometimes, yeah, it definitely does. Um, that lovely car. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, oh no, that really does make a difference to, to the figures at times, you know? But we always kind of say, look, what would you like to do? Um, you know, where are you gonna get the money to clear off, etc. But I would say if you're clearing off loans, you could try and save at the same time. Because sometimes people focus on clearing off loans and then they're starting off the mortgage approval with no savings, whether it's good to have savings as well as just even paying the normal loan repayment because that obviously counts as well. So, yeah. Um, you know, because I know a lot of people go, oh, you know, now it depends on the loans they have. If they've got a few loans, yeah, you'd be kind of going too many near need to clear one or two before you even yeah. fine. But if you've just one loan, then definitely um, you know, while it's great to overpay it, maybe you know, try and build up some savings as well if you can afford it. Yeah. Yeah. And you say savings, do you mean like referring specifically to a deposit or do you mean separate to saving for a deposit no it's savings for a deposit so it's savings full stop so savings will go part of your repayment capacity it's your deposit sometimes people go god you know i have whatever lots of savings but i only want to put in 10 percent. you're only obliged to put in 10 percent. yeah buyers so they're like we don't want to put all our savings in (laughs) yeah you don't have to put all your savings you know you just need to put in the amount that you need you're required to but absolutely savings you know savings for deposits savings for anything is savings at the end of the day what you do with your savings you know so again is you might have 20 percent savings um you know because often people go you know i need money to do the floors i need money to do this etc yeah um 
absolutely like you know so. yeah it's so and is the 10 percent like like obviously it's probably higher for non-first-time buyers but is it a hard and fast rule or is it like flexibly because that's the the thing that terrifies yeah. me like we've kind of worked out we've like okay well if we can save forty thousand between yeah. us that would yeah. be amazing um because yeah. that would uh, mean that that would be 10 percent of four hundred thousand. now whether or not mm -hmm. we would be approved for that amount i don't know um yeah. but it's so it sounds when you're at the very start of the journey yeah. it sounds so hard to kind of so I know you mentioned help to buy earlier like how yeah. does that kind of come in to play there or anything like yeah. that yeah so what I always say is um you know apply for help to buy as soon as you can okay definitely kind of in January um it's kind of so you're rolling into the new year so sometimes it depends on the number of years you've worked okay so um but if you apply for it and then you obviously revenue come back and confirm how much you can qualify for so you will get two screenshots from revenue one of them will tell you how much you qualify for so if you're buying with someone else you definitely apply as a group and then the second screenshot is your six digit pin code so it will tell you how much and the maximum is thirty thousand. so that's really really good because obviously thirty thousand is a lot of money <laughs> to help you with your new build um so you know, if you have a 10% deposit um, and you've 30 of it, then you've 10,000 from your own savings. So it really does help. That's why the new builds are so popular with a lot of people because mm. you have to save 40,000 is a huge amount. It's possible, absolutely, but often it's a lot of sacrifice. Um, it helps when you're living at home with parents, you know, yeah. you know, having to pay for the small bills and the utilities. But if you're um, having to save 40,000 plus pay high rents, you know, that could be a long time. So that's new bills are really attractive with 30,000. Um, yeah. And like how, I don't want to say like how easy is it to get it, but like how, like, because my concern is obviously now 2021, they've extended yeah. it. So it's going to run. Yeah. Um, but like, I have this fear that I'll get to 2022 and it just won't exist anymore. And I'll be like, <laughs> oh, okay. So I, what am I going to do? Because I, I, I don't know. Because the yeah. reason I'm kind of hesitant is because yeah. I, so I've been employed in this, by the same employer for five yeah. years. Um, yeah. But I initially, because I was studying like as part-time and I've been full-time and recently made permanent um, for three years. But my boyfriend's a teacher, so he's a great civil service job, but he yeah. um, moved overseas, so he's gone yeah. for a year. So in my head, I'm like, how does that affect help to buy and how do they calculate yeah. that and how do they do all these things? So how, like, how is help to buy calculated? That really would be down to revenue, so the yeah. tax you've done. So um, oh. I jointly absolutely so when you apply they'll come back and let you know now i know they're really busy at the moment but again obviously when you you know working from home it's tricky yeah but definitely you should apply and see how much you qualify there's no penalty if you don't use it obviously but it's really oh. you know how much you qualify and it really kind of goes god that's great we can qualify so even if it's 20 it's twenty thousand on a new belt i mean oh but like twenty thousand like I'll, I'll take ten thousand <laughs> like anything to get that forty thousand figure yeah, but it's, it's a real motivator and that's why so many people are like going this is brilliant you know so i definitely recommend it okay 
Um, if you sign contracts before the 31st of December this year, and even if your home is not ready till next year, that's fine. It has to be honored because you've actually signed something in the year that it qualifies for. So um, again, I would say, look, go and apply for it. See what the story is, um, because it is a really, really nice, handy boost um, for you. And you'd be surprised if you qualify for okay, 10, but maybe even 20, you know, and you say, gosh, that's 20. 20 we've only got to save yeah <laughs> not better than 40 so if you work that out over 12 months or whatever length of time if your other half is working abroad for 12 months you know um you could do it easily you know so. yeah because we are we are yeah we did, yeah, did kind of up our savings because yeah. we started off pretty pretty kind of like we'll, we'll ease ourselves in because it just yeah. goes into directly into an account like we don't do anything yeah. to it yeah um so then we decided at Christmas, which is the worst time to decide things. We were like, right, in January, we're going to up it by about 100 euro each. And both of us then were like, because the other day we were both saying, oh, yeah, we need to now pay 100 euro more in like X amount. But yeah, I think, yeah, maybe we will apply this year. I feel like I've just come in for a mortgage broker appointment and I'm getting all of this useful advice. <laughs> But for anyone listening that plans on buying a new build or building themselves a new build, yeah. to definitely yeah. look into it because I, because that yeah. was my fear. I was like, okay, what if we apply? Um, like, and I thought there was going to be like a penalty for us applying when not using it, and like that was where my fear was. Yeah. I was like, yeah. is it like a one-time thing where you go in yeah. and you see if you qualify, and if you don't use it, that's it gone. So that's where my kind of initial panic around it was because I always yeah. look at it on my revenue, and I was like, mm, maybe, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's true though, you're absolutely spot on. Like a lot of people think that they, they don't know or they kind of go, oh, I didn't realize I, I couldn't apply for it. And I'm like, you can apply for it anytime. There's no penalties if you don't use it. You might even buy a new build. You might build like, but it's really good to know that you have. And I always say to people, yeah. apply for it as soon as you can. You know, obviously, so for example, people might say, you know, get 15,000. They work another year and they're applying in January. Hey, they get another boost up so it's really good the more you work obviously the more you get higher up and you know so but again back to like you might use it but at least you know that you have it and i always say apply for it even if you don't have mortgage approval because you don't know when you're going to get mortgage approval number one sometimes people have to wait for a few months to do a few things but it's an incentive for them to have it but also that the fact that they um when people get approval and if they've already say agreed a new build, there is that pressure. I'm like, take the pressure off you. At least mm. going in looking at new builds because your estate agent will ask for it, your solicitor will ask for it naturally, and the builder solicitor will ask for it, and your lender will look will look for it. Uh, because obviously that's where part of your funds are coming from. Take the pressure off, have it already applied. So you kind of go, okay, I get 20, I know I have this amount of savings, right? It could be short this amount. But if I'm sale agreeing a new build and it's not going to be ready for six or nine months, and I save, say, two grand a month okay, I'm going to be fairly cool with kind of funds and I'm going to have money left over to the Florence potentially or I have money to do the purchase cost. So it's really about the timing effect of it. So if you're sailor green in a new build, is your house ready to move into? Probably genuinely not. You're probably moving off plan. So it might be ready for six or nine months. So often people don't have the full 10%, even with the help to buy, right? They might be squeezing it, brilliant, but then they have the cost and then they go, what about flooring and furniture? So it really gives them a good time, length of time. If you know, if their home's not ready for six to nine months, depending on to save up, so they have all that more savings as well. Mm. Kind of depends, you know, but knowing how much you can get on the help to buy, it does really help. 
it is a motivator. That's why so many people look for mortgage proof last year because they're like, oh my gosh, 30,000, that is brilliant. We just need more houses. <laughs> yeah. And like I work in um, with people yeah. who are homeless or at risk of homelessness. So oh, yeah. I, yeah, I feel you on the needing more houses um, because yeah. it's just... Yeah because they're, they're, they're over relying on the housing assistance payment. And obviously there isn't any properties in the rental market really. Mm. Um, yeah. So, um, one big thing that, um, I had a question around, um, and it doesn't particularly apply to me, but, um, if anyone listening, if they're self-employed, is the process different for them or, or how does that work? Yeah, it is trickier in fairness because self-employed are, you know, by the nature, it's it's higher risk, you know, than say PAYE. So if you're working for large company there for years, you know, haven't really been affected by COVID, absolutely. From a lender's point of view, that's low risk-ish. You know, I mean, obviously no job is ever guaranteed, but if you're self-employed, it depends on the industry you're working. You're obviously responsible for bringing the sales in. And again, it depends if you are say a contractor, and you're self-employed or you're just pure self-employed so they will look for an average two-year set of accounts so what have you returned to revenue average it out they'll look for trends in your business obviously a few businesses were affected last year so are you back on trend or are you mm. having to receive government subsidies etc so it really is it's a real different kettle of fish um you know what is the nature of your business and um, do you have you know contracts in place that ensures that there's income coming in or what industry you're in, what trends are there, um, you know, what's the overall growth pattern of, of your company. So they do look at it um, differently. You know, they obviously want to get a you know, good overall feeling of your business, how well it's doing. Um, so yeah, there is more documentation of it, uh, you know, so absolutely. But, you know, they definitely are lending. It is a little bit trickier, obviously, for self-employed. You know, it's just the way it is. But look, um, you know, if, if your business is doing well, you manage your accounts well, you're good with your debt, you know, you're in good areas and growth areas, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause that was one of the things that kind of deterred me from going down to the bar straight away because yeah. obviously I'd start into a process where I'd be self-employed and I'd need to yeah. wait two, three years to build up accounts mm -hmm. and after yeah. two, three years at the bar, they're probably not going to be favorable accounts. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Yeah. Um, and like, yeah. how have, do you ever have many people that come to you that are like a hybrid? So maybe they work full time, but are starting a business themselves. Like how yeah. are they assessed just like good because they have a PAYE income, but also yeah. they have an extra, I don't know, if they have got extra income coming in from the side business they have. Yeah, so what you would look at, again, it depends on the nature of the job and the type of the job. So, but if you have someone's PAYE who's starting off, say, self-employed business, it's not really kind of taken in because it's too soon. Yeah. They'd like to see a history of, of yeah. self-employed, you know, uh, position. Um, again, it's back to how likely is, is that business going to sustain keep continuing, you know, so if they're going to take in an income that you're, you, you have a business. So sometimes you'll get people who are going, Hey, you know, just self-employed to start my new business. And they're all extremely happy and they're looking for a mortgage. I'm like, Oh gosh, it's pity they didn't look for a mortgage when they were PAYE because it can be much easier. It depends on, you know, um, so you do need to have that history there mm. because they will look to see, look, everything's on a solid footing and that you can show that you are, 
you know, low risk, you have the ability to pay back. So when you have two different natures of jobs, sometimes you might have people self-employed partly, sometimes they're PAYE. They will look to see the length of time you're in self-employed and how possible or sustainable is it to do those two jobs until you're age 65. So it's yeah. about, you often have people say who might do two PAYE jobs. They might have a full-time and maybe a part-time. It depends on the occupation. It depends yeah. how can you keep doing that to your age 65. And often is the case that it's not possible. So they'll just take in the larger income or the more yeah. sustainable income. Because you will obviously see people who will take on a part-time job to build up the savings, build up the deposit, or to help with their 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 full-time income. And again, it, it's on a case-by-case basis. It's not full and fast rules because obviously. Um, when it comes to occupation jobs, it, it's back to how is it possible? So some people could work in occupations where they might be, you know, working a few weeks on, a few weeks off. So then they can continue the same type of work when they're off in those weeks. It just happened to be maybe for a different employer or, you know, so it all depends. And is it possible to sustain that? But if you have someone working 60 hour a week, um, you know, say full time and a part time self-employed or part time, Part, uh, PAY job, 60 hours to grade 65 if you're in your mid-30s or 40s or whatever, is probably not sustainable. Yeah, so the most kind of substantial income, so say the full time, is probably what you will be assessed on. Yeah, you definitely would be assessed on that and then it'd be a view on the part-time income. And again, they look at the history. So if you're doing yeah. work, say, so for example, say you were previously working with you know, you know, a previous employer and they ask you to do one day a week you know, your, you know, a couple of days a month, and you've been doing that for the past few years, but you've been working with your employer, your new employer, and obviously you're allowed to do this, you know, with your new employer, you're able to work your, your new employer's job, and you just happen to have different hours where you can fit it in, then they'll take a viewpoint and say, okay, maybe that's sustainable, okay, or maybe we yeah. get a portion of that income, and maybe not all of that income, um, you know, it all depends on the type, um, you know, so again, you know, it really just depends on, on, on the nature of the job and how sustainable it is. It's really about sustainability of income and, and kind yeah. of going at it, you know, so. Mm. Yeah. And then the other um, thing that comes up quite a lot is mm. um, that my friends discuss is, yeah. are you permanent or are you not permanent? And does permanency yeah. in a job matter um, when you go to apply for a mortgage? Um, it definitely does matter. Okay. But it depends on, okay. Again, it depends on the nature of the job. So let's take your typical PAYE job. You're say, you know, you've just started into a new job. You've gone from the same industry to the same industry. So it's pretty much you've changed employer, but you're doing the same line of work. You're on your typical six months probation um, and you've just started a new job. They'd like to see possibly two to three months in that new job. Um, just say, look, you've got a couple of pay slips there. Plus, you've only, say, about three months left of the six months probation. And typically, your mm -hmm. approval is valid for six months anyway. So it means you've got a couple of more months after you finish probation. You go for a permanent um, to be able to close off. With regards to be able to complete on when you're probation, it depends on, it's a case-by-case -case basis. Some mm -hmm. sure no. Some lenders will see. And it depends on the overall case. So, for example, if you have the higher income earner and they're permanent, and then you've got, say, the person who's earning slightly less, but they're on probation. If you don't need all their income, the person on probation, it may be, a, and they're nearly finished probation, it could be a case by case. It's down to the underwriter. You don't know until the end. So 
I've had clients obviously where, you know, they've changed jobs in the process or, you know, they applied where they've been on probation. Yes, you can get approval at most, absolutely. Uh, but the condition generally is that you're made permanent before you can get your keys. You know, okay um depends. Mm-hmm. yeah and then the other thing um I found out this year and which I was like oh wow is you can shop around like as in like you can within your mortgage change yeah. your mortgage to different mortgage providers based yeah. on like favorable rates which I thought was yeah gas like I was like yeah. oh I thought you just signed up with an institution and you were stuck with them for life yeah so yeah. again absolutely it depends on you know a lot of people borrow 90% um you know and, and generally they have to wait for a little while to kind of get down to a kind of a slightly more equity in their property it depends uh but absolutely you can after a while definitely look at reviewing your rates um often people uh, take a fixed rate for a while and then they kind of look when it comes up for a renewal um, to review your rates then definitely because your home may have gone up in value maybe you know after paying three years mortgage you, you know you could be in a lower bracket which means you qualify for a, more, uh, a lower rate hmm. depends on which lender you're with you might get it just a much better rate with your existing lender or maybe you may need to move lenders it all kind of depends you know so again you know when you're coming off a rate you'll always get a letter from your lender to let you know give you a choice of options and that's when you're obviously when you're doing your mortgage broker that's a time to go back to your mortgage broker have a chat and see sometimes people have built up savings in between and say hey we've got a lump sum that we want to pay off our mortgage then as well we're coming off a fixed rate you know um have a chat about that and then kind of look at the overall kind of how much have they left you know what is their kind of plans per se um often people like to have certainty that's why the fixed rates really suit um you know they may be saying look we might be changing jobs in the future we might be setting up a business we just want to know steady we're comfortable paying x per month mm. and, um, and we're happy with that but often when you come off rates what you kind of look at is can they shorten the term as well so you could have a lot of people taking a 35 year term at the beginning they're taking it three years and then they go mm, okay we're very comfortable paying, say, our twelve fifty. We can get a lower rate, but hey, we can chop off a few years as well, which is nice. So, got mm. all that to say. Look, can you? Are you comfortable paying? Still paying what you have? You've more equity in your house because you've obviously paid off more, and your home hopefully have gone up in value. So maybe good to go down a bracket, get a lower rate, but also shorten the term. So you might keep still paying what you're paying used to paying, but you've knocked a few years off, and you got a better rate. So. Lots of people, if they can do that, absolutely, it suits them well. So they'll just keep paying off, keep paying off as quick as they can. <laughs> so hmm. interesting. Um, yeah, because yeah, and is there? So maybe if we move kind of more on to the on that note on the mortgage process. So yeah. is there um, like different types of mortgages out there? Like you said, fixed rate, um, variable rate. Are they the only two, or are there a, a multitude of kind of different ones? Yeah, it's really those kind of two, really. Like you can get discount variables, you know, et cetera, but it's really fixed or variable. So fixed is like a certain repayment for a fixed period of time. Um, it depends on what your needs are. A lot of people, particularly first-time buyers, like fixed rates. They are generally cheaper than variable rates now. Mm. Um, variable rates, you can pay lumps off some off any time. Fixed rate, you can pay up to 10% off uh, without any penalties above it sometimes you know, depends on, but absolutely it's really fixed or variable rates is what you like. Um, most people 
fix their whole portion of their repayments and they just like to be able to know for certain particularly when it's their first home mm. they've saved up a lot of hard to put, put much pretty put much all their money in and then they're like right we need money for furniture and flooring and we're going to be fairly broke and invariably the first year you're paying you're spending a lot of money in the home between getting the furniture in getting the dining room table in, yeah nice good stuff so it's really not much money left so it's really only halfway through year two and three people start building up the savings again again it depends on income disposable income etc but you know if you've kids and, and you've education costs and everything else in life you know just general life expenses you know, it takes a while to build up the savings again, but yeah, that's what you generally find. You know, people like the kind of fixed rate anyway, definitely. Um, it just keeps going, and again, it depends on individual circumstances. You know, yeah, longer term fixed rates that suits them. They're like, we don't want any surprises. We're happy with this. Keep going. You know, and then others. You know, people might say, look, you know, we're not sure what our plans are. You know, so yeah. They might have to buy a smaller home at the beginning and maybe look to trade up later. So it all kind of depends, you know, everyone's circumstances is different. Yeah. And like what, how, say you go in, how does a bank or a mortgage broker assess how much you would possibly qualify for? So how do they come to that figure? Yeah. So it's generally three and a half times your combined income. Okay. Okay central bank rules you can't get an income exemption which has been able to borrow more than three and a half times your uh, income but that depends if you can qualify or not so obviously the higher the income you have the more easy it is to, to, to be able to avail of it um, so again with calculators we put in the income details and then we see if the calculators actually allow to be able to qualify for one um, and then obviously if you can't brilliant if you can't unfortunately then you're kind of waiting until maybe the rules slightly change where it become available for you or maybe you just can't enforce it at all you know so it really kind of depends but obviously depends on your income depends on the time of year so often january to march is the easiest time to get an income exemption because the whole new lending year again yeah um, so you know rule the lending rules the income exemption rules tend to be easier at the beginning of the year um, you know, the lenders have to manage their individual numbers, okay, and then as you go towards the year, it gets harder to get. Sometimes they stop income exemptions to manage the numbers, and income exemptions obviously be able to borrow more than three and a half times your income, and then sometimes, obviously, they open up the door again at the end of the year, because they're pushing the numbers into the following year. So it's really, the one thing is, is, is income, you know, what is your salaries, and whether it allows you to qualify for it or not, and if you do, brilliant, if you can't, unfortunately, then just can't apply for one yeah yeah mm. it must be so hard because I often I see people who are trying to go through the process themselves so obviously when you're yeah. basing it on one, one income um yeah. it's a lot harder because to reach the kind of value for to be able to be in a position to purchase the property so would yeah. you recommend people kind of if they don't have say another half and um, pairing up with like friends or family or would you say that that you wouldn't really recommend that too much yeah i suppose it kind of depends i think what people look at i mean you know trying to buy with a friend obviously uh, again you know people's circumstances change <laughs> yeah and then someone can't afford to buy someone out um but what you look at is people mainly just buying their own uh, you know they just obviously change their kind of need for a home so yes they may depends on their income so it all depends on the income and savings you know um and whether you can get a gift from family or not 
but sometimes people say, look, I can't buy where I'd like to buy. I've got to change. I've got to compromise. And generally when you're buying a home, there's lots of compromises. And when you're looking for a home, I always recommend people spend a lot of time doing it unless you're very blessed and very decisive because you will obviously you'll have a list as long as your arm when you start off. Mm. It's lovely. But the reality is, you know, there's three or four things that are going to be kind of key crucial to you. So before it used to be location, <laughs> close yeah. to but that can may, no, may no longer be a big factor for people if you can work remotely it's like hey i can move out of dublin i can live a lot much cheaper get a much better value home don't have the commute nice commute etc whatever suits mm. anyone other people say they have to be in a physical job and they just love the job they're not going to change the job they love what they do they love who they work with so to them travel is key you know and you know the tricky decision then is Maybe they can't afford the three, four bedroom house that they really need, you know, so maybe they may compromise and have to go for a slightly smaller home, you know, with the ability mm. to maybe build at a later stage. So often there's compromises. So you really find when you're looking at things, oh, surprise is the number one, but just there's three or four things you find that are really key and the rest are all just real pluses. Yeah. Kind of like these hard. discretionary items that you can probably <laughs> scratch off the list. Um, and would you say... Yeah income are you just referring to the actual physical income that comes in or do they take into account the savings that you have and all those other things yeah so what drives the borrowings is your income your okay. the money that comes in the door that you obviously pay tax on so that basically is what is your affordability so even if you have a hundred thousand savings um because often people go oh god i have a load of savings you know why can't i borrow more but it's it's your ability to what you can afford to pay back per month yeah to tax and that's really what drives it and it depends on you know how many adults you have how many children you have you know whether you have loans outgoing etc what are your ages you know um so they're all put into the equation, um, you know, to say how much you can afford to borrow. So again, savings absolutely helps in regards to increases the purchase price, but the ability to borrow is determined by your, your income plus other factors. So really, if you're able to borrow, the max limit is 150 and you happen to have 100,000 savings and you can put it all in, brilliant, you're increasing the purchase price to your 250 per se, and you're obviously getting a lower rate because you're putting in quite a bit of savings. But if you've only savings of 30 and you're, you're able to borrow 150, obviously that's putting the ceiling on what you can actually buy it as a purchase price. Now, if you're very fortunate and your family that give you a gift, brilliant, that helps with the purchase price. But the ability to pay back and what you can afford to pay back is determined by your salary or your income, whatever you're, you're earning. Yeah. Okay. So the, so the deposit is because in my head I always thought mm -hmm. of a deposit as a thing you just give to the bank I don't know why yeah. I always thought of it as yeah. like okay I've saved 10% here you go bank but that actually goes as so say if I had a deposit of 40,000 and yeah. I'm approved for 200,000 yeah. then I have 240,000 as my purchase yeah. value oh yeah. I don't know why I always just thought I was just giving the bank and I do I do law as well which is really bad I should definitely know <laughs> <laughs> um and um one kind of question that came up um which i found interesting is if yeah. you plan on buying a fixer-upper so say you see a yeah. property for 30 40 thousand um 
in order to get kind of approved, do you have to prove that you can carry out the works um, in order to get, say, I don't know, you want 100,000, so to be able to put 70,000 into the property in, in upgrading it and, and doing all that? Yeah, so absolutely. So what they will look at is the condition of the approval. So I often get queries of, look, I've seen a do up, I'd love to do it. And everyone's do up or cast, as you call it, is different. So some mm. of the upper may be, hey, we just need to change bathrooms and kitchens. They're so dated and I don't like the, the wall, you know, the flowery wallpaper that, you know, last person's lived in. That's absolutely fine from a lender's point of view. That really probably is not a do upper. But if you've got walls that you want to knock down and the place is in a fair old heap. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it's, you know, so really it's about like, you know, where are you going to get the money from it? So can you potentially borrow that money that you need? Brilliant. Or if you can't borrow at all, where are you going to get the rest of it? So obviously from savings or maybe gift. So what you're looking at is, you know, you will get a percent, 90% say potentially of the purchase price. But at the time when you're looking to apply, they're going to say, right, well, look, there's all these works and renovations. And depending on what type of works it is, you may be obliged to have a surveyor or engineer to oversee it. So they're mm. off and it's nearly like you're doing a mini build. You know, you do the works, part of the works, and then you have your engineer and architect sign off on what is partly done. Your solicitor then requests the funds for that. You get the funds of the bank and you pay off that and then you do the next step. So it depends on the level of work that you need mm. to do. Absolutely, you'll need to be providing, a bit like yourself, Bill, kind of costings. Yeah. Sense, you know, and you will have an initial valuation. So it might be, say, for example, you're buying your home at, say, 100,000. Um, you know, so you'll have an initial valuation. Say you're buying a home for 100,000, but when you've done the works, it might be worth 250 per se. Yeah. You know, and you're providing the quotes, you know, um, who you're dealing with, etc. It all depends on the nature of the work and the types of work. And sometimes the work, you know, if it's just updated bathrooms and kitchens, maybe that may not add overall value to the place. It depends on, you know, um, but obviously if you're doing anything structural, you definitely have to have a qualified engineer or architect overseeing it because you're changing the structure. Of the yeah. So, but yeah, because people do say, hey, I've seen a beautiful house. <laughs> yeah. I go ahead and buy it. And it's like, oh, you know, you want to be expected to get the money from somewhere to be able to kind of do it up so it, it's livable so yeah you know so yeah it all depends on the type of home the amount of work that needs to be done the nature of the work etc so absolutely you know but totally you know if you have the heart for it and you can get the borrowings for it or you have the good savings of it and you're willing to put it in absolutely Mm-hmm. Oh, and do you in or do you know the way the help to buy scheme would qualify qualifies for a new build so that means a new build like in an estate that's been done by a company or mm-hmm. um a new build that you go physically build yourself if you were to purchase a like a really like just say if you purchase a property mainly for the land but not necessarily the property mm-hmm. and then built like around and surrounding that does that qualify for help to buy or is that not a new build because there's a structure already there i not 100% sure but if you have a structure that already was lived in or was a home beforehand then deem, then in theory is deemed like not a new yeah so um absolutely if it was already registered in a person's name that is my understanding yeah check that with a solicitor because i have had people who say hey we want to buy you know this house but it's you know that people living in it you know um might be in a new build that wasn't sold on for a while 
again it depends if it's being registered or not so it's a question for the solicitor to find out you know does oh. it apply for a new build but my thinking would be no yeah you have a structure for a home um you know period second hand you're just looking to do a renovation the structure on an extension you know it's already yeah. building from scratch yeah you know yeah mm-hmm. um and yeah. then yeah it's it's also complicated but then on the um the question that i had now this is obviously yeah. probably very new build um mm. centered because um if you were buying a property for x price in one go you probably draw it all down at once but if you are say building do yeah. you just draw or do you just randomly end up with 200k in your bank one day and you just go ahead and do all your building stuff or how <laughs> does how does it work of course absolutely no unfortunately it doesn't kind of work like that um you know some people might take a holiday in between <laughs> yeah <laughs> no so how it works is like so if you're buying say a house that you're building okay so you would be doing it in stages. So for example, you'd be building foundations. So first thing foundations be built, um, that may cost 50,000. So your architect will sign off or engineer will sign off and say, look, we've done it to first stage, it's foundations, whatever it is. And then they will say how much it costs. And then your solicitor requests that money from the lender. Your lender will then transfer the money to your solicitor. Your solicitor then transfers your architect, people get paid. Then obviously you do it to roof level. Um, and then again, it depends on the cost. So it depends on the side of the house. Um, depends how much the person supervising deems how much is being spent. And then they go and request the money for that amount. Um, so it really varies. So like if you're doing an extension to the house and that costs 100K, yes, you might be doing it in stages. Obviously most people do. It might be 20, 30, 40, whatever amounts up to. Whether if you're doing a new build from scratch that 300k you might be doing 50 60 50 40 whatever the amount it is yeah so you'd be doing a stage then asking for the money doing the next stage asking for the money and that's how it works so um you'd be building it you know as you go along yeah the money as you go along so yeah that's generally how it works yeah mm-hmm. and how is there a kind of limit so say i'm thinking of in these times of say someone has gotten a mortgage COVID has hit, all construction has been put on hold. They've already drawn down the bid for the foundations. Is there kind of, because yeah. I've heard that there's like a six month gap and then you need to do another drawdown. How, yeah. is that like a hard and fast rule or have, do they make exceptions if obviously weather, worldwide health pandemic? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they would do exceptions. And often it'd be just, you know, a letter into the lender to say, look, this is the reason why it's got delayed obviously legitimate it's completely out of anyone's control that's fair enough you know i mean that's totally understandable so like that pandemic things goes out you just can't that's yeah but you know um same with really well really 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 bad weather etc yeah absolutely things can get delayed for unseen reasons totally out of people's control that's absolutely fine you know so yeah and are they as forgiving if it's like a supply issue so say if you're being really finickety over yeah. i really want this type of brick in my house but i need to yeah. get it from here and i'm yeah. not going to have it are they as forgiving for those things or is it really kind of a force majeure type reason for them to be forgiving it depends you know yeah. 
you're kind of like just done nothing for ages and ages and all of a sudden you've picked up again, they might say, hey, you've kind of taken a while there. What's the reason? We might see up-to-date income details to make sure you're still working. Is it a case that you've stopped working? So then you obviously don't have, you know, um, is that the reason why rather than finicky? So they will ask questions, you know, why it's taken so long. And as long as it's kind of a, you know, a fair reason of why you've actually done that, then there's no problem whatsoever, you know? So yeah, it's really a reason. I mean, look, South Bells and everything will naturally take a little bit longer. Um, that's just part of it. That's why people say, gosh, yeah. <laughs> that's for process. Yeah. Well, you know, but yeah, it can be. And that's just part of it. You just expect that kind of thing, you know? But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I have like just a couple of questions just kind of um, yeah. just come up. So what does approved in principle mean? Yeah, so it's really approved in principle, mortgage approval. But basically what it means is they've fully assessed all your documents. So they've looked at your, your obviously your income documents. They look at your financial documents, like your bank statements, savings, etc. Um, obviously ID, proof you are. And they're saying, we're happy to lend you this based on your documents. So it's fully, thoroughly assessing all your documents. And they said they're going to lend you X amount. Okay. When you have, um, and that's often what most people get without mortgage approval. Okay. Mm. So then when you have uh, find a home, we move it to the next step, which is loan offer. Because uh, a lot of people, when they start off at the beginning, they just want to see how much they could borrow first. They may not have found a property. Um, particularly nowadays, they kind of want to see what they want to know first um, before they you know, can get to view a property. But that is pretty much mortgage approval. Um, you know, it means they've fully assessed you, all your documents, they're very happy with everything and they're going to lend you X amount. So you will get it in writing from a lender to say, look, we're happy to offer you this based on certain conditions. So often the evaluation on the home. So your next, yeah. let's tell them the property that you have. If you haven't found a home, the amount you're borrowing, the interest rate, your solicitor details, the number of years, and they might have conditions. So like you're asking before, if someone's on probation, they may want you to be made permanent before loan offer, or they may say, look, definitely before your closing, it depends on the conditions on the approvals. But generally when they issue approvals, they tend to make sure that you can pretty much proceed like they have assessed everything, they're very happy with everything, but they've thoroughly assessed it. So they don't tend to issue approvals on the basis that you can't proceed, so to speak. So once you've got approval, that's pretty much most of the hard work. Um, the fun part begins when you go and find a home, if you haven't found a home. Um, but yeah, so it's that, you know, and, and it gives the people the opportunity and the ability to be able to buy, uh, buy a home pretty much once you've got mortgage approval. Yeah, that's the first step. It's the biggest paperwork. It's often the hardest step. It can take a little while. Um, again, if you're straightforward and, and easy, it could, you know, a few weeks, depending on the volumes of, of the lender. If it's complicated, and a couple of queries, it could take longer. It all depends on a case by case basis, you know. But once you have that, an average is valid for six months. So really, uh, okay, up to five months and two weeks, um, if not a little bit more, to, to find a home and to progress it to the next step, or at least request valuation. It depends on the lender. Yeah. Okay, and then so are you like the interim party then? So you yeah. say you need X Y Z for the bank, or they've come back asking this question, and then you then tell that to the customer then? Exactly. So if you put it like we're an intermediary, so basically we are communicating on behalf of the client to the lender and vice versa, the lenders come back to us and say, look, we have these queries. And we obviously get back to the client and say, look, this is what they're asking for. 
or it could be just some stuff that it's just you know assessment and might say look you know this document says this they're not on this is much income etc so that's exactly what we do we answer the queries um get back to the bank to get the mortgage approval so we're like the middle person you know answering all the queries getting the queries off the client and then going back to the lender to kind of just make sure that everything's progressing the right way to get the results that you need which is the mortgage approval which obviously then means that the person has the ability to be able to go and buy a home yeah yeah and then my final question is when do the mortgage repayments start so obviously i mean more so in relation to a self-bill because you're drawing down in those increments yeah. so when you've drawn down fully is that when it yeah. starts or does it start kind of you've drawn down once so you're also paying back a mortgage while while yeah, it just kind of depends but generally like it you know general terms um like so just take a normal mortgage you're generally looking about 30 days afterwards it depends on the lender sometimes lenders have fixed dates that you pay on and it okay. depends what day date you drew down in that month so sometimes if it's too soon towards the end of that date, it'll roll on to the following month. But often, yeah, if you just take it like it's generally, you know, 30 days after drawdown is on average to it, you know. Um, so that's generally how it works anyway, yeah, depending on each lender. And that's full drawdown or the increment that you've drawn down, if that makes sense? Yeah, it'd be the increment that you draw down, you know. Oh, okay yeah absolutely and then you know and, and it depends on like you know what way when you actually finish your self-bill but like that's on a self-bill but if you're doing obviously just on a normal mortgage where you're getting one full lump sum at one go so then you'll have one repayment depends on sometimes you might do split repayment options you might do part variable yeah part fixed so again you know you may have two repayments that uh, on that time or whatever so it all kind of depends but yeah it's an important thing when do i pay my first repayment you know so. yeah because it's not a thing that until you actually get through the mortgage process that you then go okay especially if you're doing like living moving into a house even and you have xyz expenses that you need to you need to also account in the fact that okay we'll get the dining room table this month because we've 1250 mm -hmm. to pay back for the mortgage in this month also exactly and that's the thing like i and it often takes a few months just to get used to it kind of so to speak because um now in fairness depends if you're paying high rent and suddenly like you're, you're paying a mortgage that's a good couple of hundred less that's why so many people like to buy because it makes complete sense because they're like cheekers we're we're able to save four or five hundred extra per month because our mortgage payments are a lot lower than our rent happy days they're yeah you know and you can save that but typically when you buy your first home buy your second home You've lots of kind of things that you're gonna buy exactly like that. The dining room table, you've pretty much most people have pretty much put every single penny into it, you know, um, a lot of sweat and tears. <laughs> you yeah. Know, if they worked really hard, they've got to a certain point, they finally get in the home, it's like, yes, got the keys, happy days. You know, and as I said, the fun part begins. Um, the hard work I say begins because yeah. like, you know, you know, we have to go and look for this, we have to get the floorings, we have to move in or whatever. But yeah, that's why generally the first year and a bit, you're kind of really, you know, you're saving, you know, money to go and buy the furniture, you're saving again to buy this. You're, you always find something you'd like yeah. to own. And that's just it. But that's the really fun, exciting part, you know. So yeah, really, after kind of a year, year and a half, you'll start saying, "Okay, 
got the home source. <laughs> now let's get some actual savings in the bank and keep it there rather than keep going out, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. W- finally, um, my last mm. question would be, what would be the, the general kind of payment um, that you would see some of your customers pay kind of per month in, uh, for mortgage repayment? Yeah, it, it depends. You know, it's obviously doubling your borrowing more. Um, so you're paying more back. But invariably, what I notice is a lot of people are paying much less than their mortgage. Uh, sorry, than their rent. Yeah. If you're paying rent, 1800 to grand, you know, um, you could be paying a mortgage, uh, you know, 1300 1400 um, To them, it's, it's, it makes complete sense. If you have an extra four or 500 per month, more importantly, you have a sense of security, you've roof over your head for your, um, you know, your family, um, yeah. everything, you know, so that really makes <laughs> my puppy just ran in. <laughs> <laughs> I have two down here, two dogs on my feet. Oh, oh. gorgeous. No. Oh, this is the beauty that you got there a while ago. In the yeah. Wow. And that was a puppy, wasn't it? Yeah. He was, and he's still, he's only about seven and a half months now. Wow. So he's, yeah, he's, he's slightly dirty. He needs to get somewhat washed every time he goes outside. Um, like for a long walk, he gets like filthy. Gorgeous white collar. I'd say that is just like, (laughs) um, he like knows exactly where my office is and where my bedroom is and my parents yeah. house so like he always yeah. sniffs me out first thing in the morning um and they have timing sense so mine are like you know time to take me out for walk time yeah they get restless and they start going <laughs> yeah hello he, yeah he yeah. started to ca- catch on whenever he sees anyone put their shoes on he's like well they're obviously putting their shoes on to take me outside even though they're just going to the post box or something he automatically is like yeah. see- shoes as well obviously it's for me so and comes over to you <laughs> oh absolutely you have to sneak on your shoes sneak on your coat even at top of times it's like come on guys I know. I know it's so funny so you're like trying to just put all this in on a different room and then you're like okay because otherwise you just get hyper before i know not longer to get out of the house you keep jumping on me you know i know and then if you're like trying them like yeah. if 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 because his name's alfie if alfie's um Super. Yeah. if he's dirty or anything and you're in something you don't want him jumping up on top of you and getting you filthy before you go outside but um yeah yeah so yeah no because i know for like say yeah. um even renting um like for one person you'd be paying about 800 plus bills a month and that's a kind of like minimum so if both of you are paying together say 1900 plus bills you're probably paying about 2000 in rent whereas you could pay 1500 at a mortgage between you absolutely you have something to show for your money which is really important security of your roof over your head i mean they're just invaluable um you know you're paying off something that's yours at the end of the day rather than potentially paying someone else's mortgage but you have security so you're not like you know going oh my god we've just given notice by the landlord look we've got to move and there's so little places to rent or we've got to move outside the area that renting so some people do have good rents because they're renting the same place for years yeah and it's tough for them to move and and sometimes of course they can't 
afford to buy in the areas that they've been renting for ages, you know, so that is often a tricky, tricky kind of decision, um, you know, where are they going to buy, but absolutely for most people, they're paying really high rent. So to buy it with your, you know, your mortgage repayments much lower, it, it just makes financial sense. You know, you can save up that money. You can put it towards something else. You can overpay your mortgage potentially, you know, or you can save up for children's education or whatever, you know, but it just, you're able to save four or five hundred per month off your rent and pay it into put into something that you're going to own and yeah completely makes sense you know yeah and you get to do that your own home up the way you like it <laughs> that's the thing like your that's like rent is so like such dead money like it's just yeah. like you don't ever like obviously yes you have a roof over your head for whatever time yeah. you live there but yeah. you have a room and that's probably it you don't yeah. and you're living in someone else's space and it's just yeah. yeah and like even if you're you're young enough and you're purchasing like if you have friends you could rent out for a year and that could pay your mortgage for a year essentially yeah had yeah one extra room say well, that's it. You can do your rent a room scheme or whatever. But I think a lot of people now are finding that, you know, to have that extra room as a home office is just huge because yeah, you're living in a small enough space and you're working at home now, your whole living space is really condensed. So often people are going from bed to desk, desk to bed, and they're feeling like there's this constant circle of going, God, you know, yeah, compared to the days of actually getting out going to an office and then feeling that when they've actually closed the shut down the computer in the office that's it for the day now it's like so to have that extra room space um you know to have as a home office where you can actually shut the door so yeah kids dogs can't come in at an important meeting yeah <laughs> and then get some work done that's important for a lot of people so people really are looking for that extra space or the potential to be able to carve out a space in a room where they're not yeah. to clear the kitchen table every evening, you know, and then have the family life on it. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, people do want that extra space. So that is going to be that's going to be here to stay, to be honest, you know. Yeah, like that is one of my like conditions. Yeah. Like even yeah. if we have to share kind of home office space, I just yeah. I, I want somewhere because I'm, yeah. I'm lucky in the sense that my parents have given me a space at home it's a room that wasn't really being used too much um but I do appreciate the I can leave my laptop in this room and it doesn't come upstairs with me or it doesn't come in now I am very bad and I do bring it in while I'm watching the um telly in the evening if I'm like oh sure I can just do two or three more emails now um but I do I do really appreciate that separation especially when you're being forced to kind of work from home for a lot of people so um yeah so I think that's that's pretty much it for me um not that I haven't (laughs) grilled you enough um maybe if you want to um give people a shout out where they can acquire your services as a mortgage broker um and how they can get in contact with you um yep Absolutely. So thank you for that, Danielle. Um, yeah. What you're looking at is, is Samantha Nago, N-A-G-L-E, and my mobile number is 087-3131-601. So that's 087-3131-601, and it's Aspire Financial Services. We're based in Slorgan County, Dublin, but basically we, we do the whole of the country. <laughs> so, ah. Yeah, absolutely. So look, just give us a call, get in touch or whatever. Um, you know, often say people look, just 
give us a shout, have a chat initially. And, you know, and then as I was saying to you earlier that, look, some people are ready to go. Often people need to do a few things put in place, give them advice on what they need to do. And then, you know, just come back to us when they're ready. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm my poor boyfriend I'm gonna ring him after this and go so yeah. Samantha said we need to do help to buy and I just want to know how much we get because the, it's just the 40,000 that just keeps looming over us and we keep thinking of yeah. it as 40 whereas even if it was 20,000 or 30,000 like that's a huge significant difference oh it's mental and psychologically if you're just going oh my god we've just got to help to buy and we've got 20 grand you're just going that's phenomenal like out of 40 that's just 20 left to do you're suddenly doing the maths you're just going hey this is all we need to save for the next 12 months and we're good to go like you'll easily save you know the cost to buy like stamp duty and solicitor fees by the time you start something or finish even on a typical you know second hand which takes two and a half to three months but if you're looking, you know, so I always say, look, try and get it close to the 10%. Um, if you can, in regards to if you don't have access to, say you're buying a second hand and you don't have access to family to help you out, um, you know, or know where you could potentially, you know, maybe mm. get. But absolutely, if you, you know, can get 20, 30K, well, 20K on the help to buy. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. It's really helpful to know, look, that's what we get and that's what we can aim for, you know, and we just put a plan in place and keep the head down and you'd be surprised. Um, yeah. When you've got a goal, it's really like, we can do it every time. I know. I can guarantee you, if, I ma- if we magically between us um, qualify for 30,000, you're probably going to yeah. get a hysteric email for me being like, Samantha, start the mortgage <laughs> process. Um, Send me the list of documents we need. Yeah. <laughs> that's it but um thank you so much it's been so like i have learned so much um i feel like i've I've put you under an inquisition this evening on everything mortgages um but yeah it's it's so like i'd 100% recommend to anyone um to give samantha a call or to just seek out a broker because i now understand so many different things a lot more than i would have been like i would have been like a headless chicken going into the process myself yeah, and, and that's what we're there for is to help and guide you. And I think it's really important, you know, that you get that solid advice at the beginning. And then it really, it's making that first call. It really is making that first call. And sometimes I hear from, from clients like, oh, I was nervous ringing you and you're so friendly. And I'm like, that's what we are anyway, you know, but it is, it's a big step to do it. Or they say, oh, you know, I heard about you for a year ago and I'm finally making a phone call now. And they're like, oh, I wish I did a while back. You know, so it's yeah. a firm believer when the timing is right for you, it will happen for you. You do need to be persistent. Um, and there is a pinch of luck. There's definitely an element of mm. luck, you know, um, if and I, I always, always firmly, if, if, if the house is meant to be for you, so whether it's a site in your belly, what's meant to be for you won't pass you by. So absolutely, you know, so and it's, yeah. time. it's, you know, it's, it's an adventure, you know, so it's brilliant to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Here's hoping. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this Legal Diaries podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you found this podcast helpful or interesting, it would be absolutely amazing if you could spread the love and share it with your friends and family and on your social media accounts. Please make sure to tag us if you do. We are an independent podcast run by the three ladies behind the Legal Diaries platform and business. 
so it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For more Legal Diaries content, please do check us out on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search at legaldiaries.ie and give us a follow. Until next time, Le Gras, the Legal Diaries ladies.